Colonial Conquest? Fernando Cortez would be proud. It's a real Aztec challenge on Amigos episode 364. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, it's public domainia again. It's time to talk about two stellar games from the vast, vast library of public domain games for the Amiga. Aztec Challenge, Colonial Conquest 2. Are are you showing your uh, hand? Are you showing your hand this early in the show? You know, what is are is there anything that you've 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 conquested in your life? You conquered anything? That's well, I'm gonna conquer this lead in, I can tell you that. Uh um yeah, listen, I, if I think of the only things I conquested or conquered or, or that I can talk about on the show here, uh, I conquested my own fat unathleticness to to run some races that in nineteen or in two thousand. Those are probably my two ultimate conquests. I'll take that back. The conquest of of successfully getting my kid to age twelve has been mm-hmm. so far so good. I think, but I mean that's pretty much you know I'm not the kind of guy that's going to like plant a flag on Everest uh, or any of that. Are you going to plant a flag? Are you going to plant a flag on the boy? I'll, Bam! I'll tell you Holy what, conquistador, I, son. You know what I'm proud of in my life, uh, boat is. What? And uh, and this is just I don't want a woe is me moment here, but listen, I've been uh, living low for a long time. You know me for quite a while now. Mm-hmm. I've been I have and and I have uh, uh, for the longest time, I was the king dong of living on the cheap, you know. Right. And I will admit now that uh, uh, now that I've got a full time job, I don't I don't live as cheaply as I should, you know. But there was a time I defy anybody to live on what I did. And not want to just jump off a cliff, and in fact, be joyous about it. I was, I was way down, uh, down Tell me there. When you were, when you were living on the cheap, the cheapest of the cheap, mm-hmm. when you were at the bottom of the barrel, yeah. What was your, what was your meal plan like? Well, there have been two super, super duper cheap times in my life, and but I, and, and the good thing is the first one trained me for the second one. All right. So when I was in college, I, I didn't have a job, I didn't have money. And so I would walk over to, I'd walk about, uh, what, eight blocks over to the Kroger's in Huntington from where I lived. And that's when you hit the discount meat counter right there. You go in there and mm-hmm. load up. I wish back in those days there was no Dollar Tree, no any of that crap. But you still could get a good angle. And, and the good angle was almost expired food. That was my favorite angle. Also, the ch- cheapest, most generic, like, I like a lot of soda, stunningly. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. the cheapest, most generic pop. They didn't have all that. That would be your your big K. Oh yeah, you got that right. And the but I mean the older the better. Like a lot of people don't realize that if you go to like a bread store or something, you get it. You get like expired bread for, or mm-hmm. like even like uh, expired bakery goods. You get yeah, them on the day cheap. Yeah, old stuff. Yeah. And yeah. I'm not the kind of guy. I've never been like to a soup kitchen, or I'm not. I wasn't ever homeless. I'm not saying mm-hmm. hey, I'm the poorest, most pathetic guy. But I mean. I was I was trying to make do with very little, and I and we did it. I would also something else. That, this is a something you can. It's a little tip: bartering your space for food and money. If I knew a guy who was going to be in town, 
or people that were going to come around, sure, they could stay at my pad. Hey, why don't you buy the dinner? Why don't you spring for some food? Maybe a little, a little mm-hmm. something on the side, a little extra uh, wide, pick some stuff up, and that'll get you through. You know, and then also, now this is not one I would recommend. I don't know, if, I guess you could, you could always give them plasma. Did you ever do that? Oh, yeah, in college, that was one of my main sources of income. Yeah, you got to give the plasma sometimes. Now, yeah. I hated needles. In fact, I don't think I've ever talked about this. I very rarely did this, but if I was real screwed, I would go for it. You know, I would go and do it. Yeah, 20 but, bucks. Yeah. This was when I was doing it. But I mean, it's a, uh, when I lived up on the mountain, when I came back to West Virginia, it, uh, before, when I, cause I was unemployed for a while, that's hard sledding. And it was, this West mm-hmm. Virginia is the tough place to get a job back in those days. It's just now it's, that now there's jobs everywhere, you know, but at the time there wasn't anything uh, popping. And so you, you kind of had to make do uh, for a little bit. But like I said, I, it sounds like I'm complaining, but I actually, I enjoy that. I mean, I'm not saying, boy, it's great to be poor, but I'm saying it's, there was a sense of accomplishment when I could not only keep it going, but I didn't let it get me down. You know, I was mm-hmm. the right guy to be in that spot because I'm kind of the sunny side up guy. You know, what about you, Bo? What's yeah. your big con? Because I hope they're not that lame. You know, a lot of things in my life have fallen into my lap. So it would be great if I could say, yeah, like I really won Eep over with my charm and good looks. You You're know? charming, no. Bo. Come on. We just we just happened to meet each other at the right time and things happened. And, you know, we we and so we got married. And you, hit but, the, uh, you hit the jackpot. Holy smokes. Hit the jackpot. Yeah. But. I will say that, you know, making the decision to leave everything behind, get on a plane and fly to Korea, and the fact that I was able to not only survive but thrive in a foreign land in which I could not speak the language, uh, I'm pretty proud of that. Yeah, you know, and I will say, uh, that's first of all, it takes a lot of guts to do that, to fly to any foreign land, to go live there. I mean, that's uh, that and that's a level of guts that I don't got. I mean, you, and it takes a certain type of person just to launch themselves into a foreign land. So, you know, there, there you go. But I will say, in terms of conquests or, or great uh, victories in your life, uh, the way I look at it is, if you're, if, you're above, if you're above ground, you're still breathing, still moving around, uh, it's never too late to have even small victories in your life. This is where I go to my, uh, into my uh, uh, lingo my uh, uh, of self-examination boat but if, let's 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 really hash it out yeah I mean, 40 I'm, minutes. I'm just saying never you, there's always uh, listen i've been down i've been way down i've been way up you should never get so far down that you don't think you can ever get up because you i mean That's you've right. got to keep a good attitude and those little victories add up to the big ones bam yeah Damn, I love it, man. I'll tell you what else is a bunch of little victories this week. This week's crop of Amiga News. Amiga News. Go ahead and refresh that page, I think, because I added something. You always do, my friend. (laughs) All right, Aaron. We're going to start things off with something that you're going to love, because I know this is one of your favorite arcade games. Guess what's coming to the Amiga? It's freaking Karate Champ. Oh, man. Oh, that's right. So I love this game. Holy cow. Karate champ. Uh, you know, I, I I didn't know about karate champ. Uh, this, the the first time I ever played it was actually that arcade in Huntington, believe it or not. You're kidding me. Yeah. I'd never played karate champ. I'd heard you talk about it. Heard flack talk about it, but, uh, yeah. And it was great. It's a, it's a very strategic game that has a depth that most people probably didn't realize back in the day. Um, but 
It's coming in all of its glory to the Amiga. Uh, J-O-T-D, who is a, uh, a porter of arcade games of some repute, <laughs> as, uh, as, uh, is created, as, as started out. And it's, this is basically just kind of demo footage of how the engine is running. You've got the guys that are doing the different moves. But, man, good. It, looks, it looks exactly like oh. the arcade version. Oh, man, I mean, don't getting, you think? Yeah, listen, I, with all due respect, your IK pluses and all that stuff. This is the King Dong right here. They never made one any better than this one right here. This is a great game. Karate Champ versus. I remember when the solo version came out, and I, I was like, I was smitten right away because I, I was in karate, as you know. And so I was like, oh man, real karate. And then they added the two player support. Oh man, I love that. And to see this come to the Amiga. I can't tell you how excited I am about this. This is going to be super duper. Is this on that yeah. new engine that everybody's using? Do you know? Uh, you know, I was looking at the article and I don't see what it, that he says that he's using the Scorpion engine or yeah. anything like that. Um, so I'm not sure what JOTD is up to. But man, uh, this is just another, what a great, for you and I, Aaron, lovers of the, your classic hot action arcade titles. Yeah. This is a glorious time to be an Amiga fan. As an added bonus, that means someday on this show, we might cover this, which would be great. Uh, we can only hope. We can only hope. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you very much, sir, for putting this together. I love it. All right, Aaron. Here's something that I don't love. Uh-oh. This is Black Dawn Technomage. Now, I'm not saying oh, that, that I don't love it because it's not a good game. Yeah. I'm saying I don't love it because this is not my favorite genre. As you know... I am not the fan of the single screen, you know, uh, block by block dungeon crawl. However, however, I checked out this video uh, this morning and uh, this looks pretty fantastic. They've kind of gone a long way to alleviate some of the pain points of your classic dungeon crawler and that they've given you a really nice map. And they've also they, in which the 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 map shows you the direction that you're pointing. Yeah, which is very very helpful. That's awesome. This um, does look like a massive improvement over what we've seen. Yeah, uh, we were we were both uh, not huge huge fans of Black Dawn Rebirth when we played it uh, on Amigos, uh, but this looks like it's definitely moving in the right direction in terms of uh, you know there's still not a great deal of animation here, but there is a uh, but there there is. A lot of quality of life improvements that they've made. It yeah. looks like a different different scenario too. I think the first Black Dawn was in space. Well, I guess this is still in space, but this is like space robots. You know, a lot of a lot of killing of the enemy space robots, which is cool. I can get behind that. If you look at this screen, and if you're listening at home, I'll try to describe it. You've got two simple bars for your for your hit points down here. You've got what's in your hands. I love that. But mm -hmm. the, but, yep. but the big score here. I'm looking at their mapping system, always on upper right. I'm assuming, I hope this comes up. This, there shouldn't be an item you get. There shouldn't no. be, this is it. It should always be there. This is a tight map system. It gives you your line of sight. It gives you your direction, and it gives you a, a very uh, easy-to-follow map. This is my number one problem with these games, and I know it's a big chunk of your problem is it's difficult to tell which way you're going when everything looks the same. Uh, yeah, the inventory yeah. screen looks tight. I think they may have refined a real winner here with this. Uh, and it looks nice, too. So good luck to these guys. I want to talk about Bo before we move on. Look at the look at the goodies you get with this thing. One oh, of the my few gosh. This is one of the few times I've seen a game that comes with a Black Dawn beer mat. It's got, where's Ed, what's Edmund, <laughs> where's Edmund Helen? 
get on the get on the Edmund's going to be customer Edmund. number one for this. Plus, you get this really nice ultra wide mouse mat. You get the mouse mat. Uh, this is selling, and get this, Aaron. This price is not outrageous. This thing is selling for about forty-five bucks. Yeah. If you, I mean, for a boxed three-disc game with a full-color manual, the mouse pad and the beer mat. It is, oh, it, actually, it comes with. This is the one that comes with that stuff, right? I don't know. Smokes. I made that up. No, it does. It Maybe does. not. Okay, so check this out, everybody at home. If you want to order this thing, we're going to put this over, aren't we? Because we can't help yeah. ourselves. But look at yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. It is. It is the collector's mat. 42, 42 euros 50. That's it. Man, you, we should get this just for the beer mat boat. Let me tell you something. By the way, if you're in the U, in the USA, the, the euro is looking pretty good to you right now. This is... <laughs> It's the, the euros right around the same. It's not listen, Aaron. This dollar. thing is this thing is limited to a hundred a hundred um, copies. Yeah. After I saw that. after that, there's going to be no more mouse mat, and it will not be numbered. Look at the box. So if you want to get bro. on this, get on it quick. That's a beautiful box. It's as a, a, a psychosis look to it too, doesn't it? Yeah. It's a well, very this, nice. this comes from Bitmap Soft, and if yeah. we know anything about Bitmap Soft, they only make quality games, and their packaging is great. Yeah, uh, you know they're 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 <laughs> the they're the the team behind Smarty and the Nasty Gluttons. Yeah, Turbo Tomato. So these guys, they're they're experienced. They know what's going on. I agree. This is one uh, for that price. That's I'm tempted. I, I'm not gonna lie because it looks it looks real good, and plus goodies are goodies. So there you go. Goodies are goodies. That's right. All right, Aaron. We move on, shall we? Oh, and it's AGA. Yeah, your favorite. So, um, yeah. <laughs> You're putting so, it over. Check this. Check out this video, Aaron. This is not really Amiga News, but this was just posted this week on the YouTube, and I thought it was cool, so I put it in the show. This is uh, this is a basically a compilation of different animation programs running on the Amiga, and it shows you the breadth of the, the different styles of animation that were that were possible and also just how far beyond the Amiga was in terms of creating this sort of animation compared to the to the competition the competition that wasn't tens of thousands of dollars like a silicon graphics workstation That's i mean right. it's amazing amazing the abilities of the Amiga when you look at it from the multimedia perspective um I I enjoyed watching this video because it constantly shows you different clips of different genres. There's a lot of ray traced 3D animation. There's traditional kind of hand drawn animation. All of these things were possible in with different different utilities on the Amiga. This is a really cool video. Had you seen this one yet, Aaron? I don't think I've seen this one, uh, Boat. Uh, but yeah, listen, you don't have you're preaching the choir here, pal. Uh, I knew the first time I saw an Amiga at my buddy's house. I mean, I came. I had a freaking uh, Tandy TL at the time. So when you're playing like, <laughs> I mean, trust me, Tandy sound was great and 16 colors. I was like, I'm living large. And I walked over to my buddy's house and he showed me some crap on him. I'm like, I'm not living large. I've got my computers <laughs> instantly as a brick. I mean, even the Boing Ball here, the very famous. Even when you look at this and hear it. Like I think, good luck getting out on a PC in like in the eighty six, eighty seven. What's gonna happen, right, man? Right. You know. So yeah, <laughs> it kind of sometimes you need a refresher. It's like, what are we doing here? Oh yeah, we're celebrating one of the most revolutionary things ever put on Earth. So there you go. Mm -hmm. That's a good one, boat. We'll link that up, everybody. Yeah, everything's on the subreddit. There so uh, if you go to the next link here, Aaron, this is another video from our friend Chris Edwards. Oh yes. He has uh, he has this, started it, another new project. 
This is the 1997 Amiga Tech Quick Pack Amiga 4000 yeah, this, Tower. This P1. is the exact one we had, actually. Wow. Or not. This is now ours didn't have a CD-ROM. I can tell you that, as this one does. And ours was in better shape than this one. But yeah, this is the Quick Pack. That's the one me and the Brent had very briefly. Well, well before we did these shows. I mean, this would have been a long time before that. And it was long gone before we started. It's funny that that's one of the things I'd kind of want. Well, now I want it back because I could resell it. Because I'd make mm -hmm. like $18 billion. But uh, yeah, I haven't seen this yet uh, either. So how, how does how does he get along with the boat? Well, he this is just sort of uh, I, I I sort of skipped around as he was going through this, but I really enjoyed because I'd never really seen the inside of a of a Tower Amiga like this before, and this is one of your classic. You know, this thing probably weighs at least fifty pounds. Yeah, they're solid huge. hunk of metal. Yeah, and um, but. It's the ultimate in in terms of you know ways that you can expand your Amiga. This is what you want. You want something that's got a lot of room in it. So uh, if if you're curious to see everything that's inside, I know that it's got uh, an accelerator. The Warp Engine 040 uh, is in there, and uh, and um, Chris does his usual stuff with the Amiga test kit. Um, you know, I haven't, like I said, I just, I just saw this pop up today. It just came out yesterday. I'm probably going to go back and, and watch this more in depth to see exactly what's going on. And I'm sure that we're going to see a, another multi-part series with this A4000 tower. You know, the funny thing about these towers, again, we had one of these brief, and I remember looking into it because I'd never seen an Amiga 4000 my, my whole life. And when you open, I mean, I, again, coming, uh, leaving Amiga and going, well, I don't know, I came and went. Uh, from the PC side of things. And a PC motherboard back in those days was not quite as large as... I mean, you're getting there. Some of them may have been, but it, the, the Amiga... This particular Amiga 4000 uh, motherboard's big. You know, but the, the funny thing about a big tower like this is... Always, I thought this was funny when me and Brent got it, is I couldn't think of a whole lot of accoutrement that you would need a tower of this size for to put in there. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, if you're just playing games on your Amiga... Then, then this is this is this is wasted on. Well, you. I mean, even if you're uh, not, I mean, like the drive bays. I mean, there, there were. I mean, again, now I know more. I mean, you could put stuff in them now, but I remember, like, I'd never seen an Amiga with a CD-ROM, uh, mm -hmm. like in person, and mine didn't. Ha this one didn't have one either, and right. so with the exception of you know adding another fl internal floppy or something, I was just like, I thought to myself, this is kind of strange. It's now you flash forward to today. And really, even today, you don't need a case this big because now you can, everything's miniaturized. I mean, you can put an SD solution in there, a compact flash, or a SSD, or whatever you can get hold of. Uh, so the the even in the PC side, the the era of these cases sort of like came and went, you know. But I mean, mm -hmm. there was a time uh, that not only the Amiga but the PCs in particular, like you couldn't get a case big enough to satisfy you. I mean, like I said, me and the Chud. <laughs> Competed for cases, and you mentioned how. Heavy what was the name was. of the case that he had? The Eliminator class case. <laughs> it was as tall as this, but three times as wide. It was it was like a board wow. ship. Uh, <laughs> it, to to open it up, you had to take out one of the two power supplies. You may take take it both out. I can't remember, but I mean, it's funny to think that you had these huge, elaborate boxes. Everything has gotten a lot simpler from the architecture of the way PCs are built. You know, uh, and it's funny that is one area that Apple was leagues. It's getting into this, uh, getting into this GS, getting into this Mac Classic. Apple was had a, a lot better engineered uh, 
entry into these PCs than 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 my, the stuff I was used used to yeah. getting into. Well, I mean, and again, when you can control the whole widget, you can make everything fit just right. But with PCs, you know, everybody's yeah. getting components from everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And that's... so you kind of have to start with this big box, and you just kind of fill it up the best you can. It is funny though, because I remember when we got this machine, I thought to myself, "Holy smokes, this is the mother." Of all Amigas, because it oh, looks yeah. so much like the PCs I was used to, right? As opposed to the Amigas I was used to. So they're they're neat machines. I'm anxious to check this out. Chris looks like he's in good form there. <laughs> he's <laughs> looking frazzled. <laughs> that's this is that's my favorite Chris stuff. When he, he's yeah, got when the, he takes off the, the hat, hats off, that means serious. it's finished. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, check out Chris Edwards Restoration on YouTube. Tons and tons of great Amiga hardware projects on there. Yep. All right, Aaron. 10-minute Amiga Retrocast presents the Amiga Art Contest, October 21st, 2022. It, the date is is approaching rapidly. Uh, what can you tell us about this artwork contest, Aaron? Holy smokes. It's just, I mean, let's face facts. Here comes Doug. And out of nowhere, we've got the ten minute Amiga Retrocrass. Like it just it just shot from the heavens. And then mm-hmm. he went. And then you've got his uh, C sixty four offerings. And then all of a sudden he's like, you know what? While I'm at it, I'm going to have the premier Amiga art contest. And lo, it came to pass. And this is it: the ten mark uh, art contest, twenty twenty two. I believe this will be the is this the third or fourth one, boat. I can't oh, remember off the top of my head. I, I think it's the fourth one. I think it's been going on since yeah. 2018. October 11th, and the deal is 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 the is the is when the is when this sucker cuts off. Uh, this one uh, now this year he's got we've got new judge. Uh, uh, he's got uh, himself and a fellow named Kevin Saunders. I believe Kevin Saunders was one of the big king dongs of a previous contest. Mm-hmm. I think Pixel Vixens uh, got her hands full over in Japan. I, I do. I've I got her. I got her Twitter going, and I watch that. She every once in a while you see a video, a touring video or somewhere there. So uh, that's awesome. I'd love to. You I know like what? The, you know Japan. what their theme song? You know what their theme song is too, don't you? I don't know. Again, Saunders, Saunders, yeah, that's a good one, man. Uh, anyway, this is going to not just have art. I believe Doug is not only having art, but he's going to have music. He's going to have uh, even animation. It's going to have. It's going to. It's a one-stop shop here uh, for your. As long as it's done on the Amiga, you're in. He's got ray tracing, mod music, and uh, Amiga animation. Uh, it's all good in the hood. If you're interested in checking this out, go over to AmigaArtwork.com. You will be Bam. set up, good and solid, boat. That's going to be fun. I've, I don't think I've ever missed one of these. It seems like a, at least one of these, there was some streaming trouble, but I pretty much, I think I've cut all these. They've always been entertaining. And some of the art, I mean, I'm not just putting this over because we, Doug's our buddy. This is a straight-on shoot, brother. Some of this art, I couldn't freaking believe, man. I mean, every year I see stuff that's just draw-dropping. Like, how did they do that? I don't even know. I still don't know. So, with that right. much, you can see that same stuff if you tune in. Now, we've got one more story, Aaron. And it's that Amiga Addict is back, baby. Oh, Issue man. 14 is on the shelves. Check this thing out, Aaron. First of all, we say this every month, but the the cover art on this thing is just, it's a work of art. It's a literal work of art. You've got the witch with the claw hands. You've got Peter Pan. Sandy Duncan is Peter Pan on the cover there. Uh, and, and, of course, you've got your virtual cover disc 
that you can uh, you can get the label for and slap on the cover to uh, to complete your nostalgic experience. Uh, some of the articles they're talking about this time around is a look back at all the modern Amiga games that came out before Amiga Addict. Uh, there's it's a public domain special. Hey, it's a good thing that we're talking about on this episode. Man, how to how to write a novel using an Amiga? Learn to program in C. <laughs> With a new tutorial, Amiga Bill has a uh, an article in here. Six of the best with Amiga Bill. Mm. A demo scene looks at Amiga music discs. I'm telling you, each one of these issues is just jam-packed to the gills with great... And it's not just great Amiga content, but they the writing is excellent. I don't know if you've read a lot of these modern video game zines, Aaron, but sometimes the writing is somewhat suspect. The that, proofreading is somewhat suspect. I, I, you know what Amiga I don't Attic, like it. I don't like the fact that some of these new modern uh, mags that I have, and some of the game ones, they're too plugged in. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't want, I don't want to be talked to like uh, uh, I'm your pal. I want professional writing, brother. I want someone That's who's right. uh, who's honed their craft for decades, and when they they didn't get hired because they had a cool haircut or they had a right pair of shoes, they got hired because they had skills, writing skills. That's what I want, Bode. Yeah. So. If you want to check it out, check out Amiga-Addict.com. Yeah, look at the... I mean, can... I wonder who does their art, Boat. Look at that. Oh, I, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm sure that uh, Jonah will tell us. Uh, it's an it's an amazing magazine. The The paper quality is off the, off the charts. But if you like getting it and just reading it off your computer, PDF subscriptions and single yeah. issues are also available on their site. However you want to get it, get your Amiga news at Amiga-Addict.com. Very good. Well said, Boat. Love that. I, I, I get the PDF and I flip through it and I just think it's dandy. I, I haven't missed one yet. So, Aaron, it's time to talk about the best place to go if you've got an Amiga that's a little under the weather. Why don't you tell us about Retro Rewind? Where could that possibly be? Retro Rewind, you say? Correct. That's right. You know, uh, we have talked about Retro Rewind a few times here on the show. Uh, But every time I come back through here, I always like to load up their page uh, before we get started. Just kind of flip through and see what he's got cooking here. And you find stuff on here you wouldn't expect. Over and over, we always talk about the recapping services. We always talk about uh, the repair stuff. But I mean, if you look down to the list of of diagnostic tools, of interfaces, uh, of uh, uh, solutions for getting video out of your machine, there's a lot of stuff here. Uh, if you flip through, that you wouldn't even know you needed. I mean, if you've got a Commodore machine, uh, whether it's a 64, a 128. Uh, even something like an Amiga or a CDTV or CD32, there's always something here that you can use. If you've got a C, uh, uh, Amiga 600, get yourself uh, upgraded everything. Get a, get yourself an accelerator. They're all here and they're good to go. And on top of everything else, if you're one of those uh, blessed folk that has a Tandy color computer, maybe you got one in the closet, maybe you use it every day, Frank's your hookup. You might as well go ahead and get the thing recapped. you got to get you an SD card solution. All that stuff is available at RetroRewind.ca, Boat. Yes, yes. You know, Frank takes good care of the community. And if you are interested in giving your computer to someone who truly not only respects the machine, but respects the community, uh, go no further than Retro, Re- uh, Retro Rewind because they, they do such a great job and they are on the side of the of the, the great wonderful Commodore community that 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 is online. So if you want to save money, with Frank, if you want to save more 
use the promo code AMIGOS10 at checkout and save 10% off their already low prices. We appreciate Retro Rewind for all the work they do with the Commodore community, and we thank them for being a sponsor of Amigos. Absolutely. All right, Aaron, it's time to get into the games. Now, what do we got first? We got Colonial Conquest or Aztec Challenge up first. You know, I thought to start off, we'd make an Aztec of ourselves, Boat. Let's kick it off. There it is, Boat. Aztec Challenge, man. Now, when this came up, last week because as uh, many of you know and some maybe don't the uh, amigos game selection committee they always set the table for us both we never know what's going to come up and when, you, when you've got pd public domain public domainia coming up you never know what you're going to get and so That's right. when i looked at the titles this time and saw that one of the games was aztec challenge I was like, whoa, what do we have here? Because for, this is one of the few rare times where I've heard of a game on the public <laughs> domain. I was like, oh, holy smokes. And so uh, for those of you that are not in the loop, uh, Aztec Challenge is a game that I know from the C64. Now, I didn't realize it, Boat, uh, and maybe we should look into this, but there's a, an Atari uh, 8-bit version of this and a VIC-20 version. So that's, really? Yeah, according to, according to uh, the wiki on this, yeah. So, Aztec Challenge was developed by one of my faves, and I know you know why. It's our good buddy Paul Norman. Paul Norman, uh, who did the Forbidden Forest and Beyond Forbidden Forest, which we love those games. Forbidden mm-hmm. Forest, often I cite as, if not my favorite C64 game, it's near the top of the list. He also did uh, Sentinel, which is quite a brilliant game. Caverns of Kafka, Firestorm, Super Huey, and Trivia Monsters. Uh, he did a lot of work for an outfit ca- called Cosmi uh, or Cosmi, however you pronounce it. Uh, and uh, and he worked for them. It's funny, I've listened to interviews with Paul. And this is one of those deals that you make in the early 80s where you just like call up a publisher, sort of work out a deal, and start making stuff, and then just send it in. I mean, that was, right. it's the most nonchalant. It's like, I mean, did they screw them on money? Every time, probably, yeah. (laughs) You know who knows, you know. But uh, this was a this was a game that, like I said, that I knew on the uh, C sixty four. Had you ever played this on the C sixty four boat? Oh, I remember seeing this in the games list when I'm when I go through the Fuji Net because it's always up in the A's. Yeah. Uh, But I I, this was the first week that I tried this out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, one thing I liked about Paul Norman games is he this is a guy and he was a he was a uh, a guitarist or a musician he played he played in a band and so he didn't know much about it. he didn't play video games all huh. he, so when he programmed and i again it, it's an interview with with your, uh, my favorite Shane Armand Monroe who by the way is the one that turned me on the forbidden forest uh but uh he said when he started making games he didn't know what a game was supposed to be per se and so the only his only uh, the only thing he could use to figure out what games he should make was were basing them around movies, and so okay. you could see the influence on mo- that movies would have on on uh, the Forbidden Forest games and this one because sure. this sort of plays like an adventure film or something mm-hmm. the way it's laid out. And of course, Paul, being a, a, a music guy, he does the music for these as well. So the original C sixty four music was done by. Uh, Paul, as well as the programming. And so, again, that was the uh, C64 version and the various other versions 
that were out in 84. So uh, let's flash forward to the Amiga version here, which was uh, released in 93 uh, and came out on disc. Uh, this was developed or ported over, if you will, by an outfit called Bignonia or Bignonia. Mm -hmm. We know about these guys. I don't know if we ever covered. Have we ever covered these on the show proper? I don't remember. Well, ever... you know, it's it's funny because they did seven C sixty four conversions yeah. to the Amiga. I know where they you're going. I, they did Aztec Challenge, Bagot Man, Frantic Freddy, Pharaoh's Curse, Zaxxon. But here's the real stunner. They did Popeye and Donkey Kong. Uh, I don't think we've played either, any. Maybe we've played Donkey Kong like way way back. Because yeah. I remember the, I remember Bignonia has a very uh, memorable intro screen when they talk about the postcard. I'm sure you're going to go into all that stuff in a second. Yeah, but um, I don't, but, uh, I don't know if we've covered one of these proper on the show. We'll have to ask my remind us if we ever did. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, what the, their bag was, or big was in this case, was to port over games uh, from the C64. Now, I got to get this out early. They always, including this game, they always mention this port of blue max that they never did. It always mm. crushes me to see that as an available option. Yeah. <laughs> Let's I, I want to take a second to talk about the beginning of this game. Sure. Because uh, I love the fact that they, I mean, when you, when you, uh, when the game loads, first of all, you got your, your intro screen, which looks like something straight out of a demo. There's a song that plays that I liked. I liked the song yeah. that played. I played, we just listened to a little bit of it. Um, and, uh, and then you get a screen that it says like, if you send us a postcard in a dollar, we'll count your vote as uh as the uh as you know for what game we want to do next you know and then it says whatever game we end up doing that dollar pays for your disc and then we'll send you back the disc so first of all that's great that's great marketing because you know you're going to get a quality arcade conversion no matter what and the uh and the thing and so even if your game doesn't get selected, first of all, you feel like you have some choice or you have some agency in what game you're picking. But even if it doesn't get chosen, you're still going to end up with a quality port for only a dollar. I'm sure that they got quite a few bucks out of this doing it this way. It uh, looks like they, they they started out in around 90 and they stopped in 95. So they, they were able to sustain their business such as it was for five years, which isn't too bad. Yeah. Um. And so um, the uh, and then you get. Now, here's something that I thought was weird. Uh, you have press F1 for the Amiga, or F, uh, F2 for the Amiga game, F3 for the original C64 game. Yeah. Did you get, did that, did it look different to you when you did that? Every time they've had that, I didn't see much of this. I'm guessing, Boat, I'm guessing that the the original game doesn't have the additional, like, I know, I think in the Donkey Kong, it may didn't have the additional levels. That mm -hmm. may be what they want, because this one, even this one, has they've added levels to, mm -hmm. or a level. Uh, so, which is something on all on the games I played from them, there were a couple where they did that, but I couldn't see much of a difference either. I, I was wondering about that myself, so I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, but uh, this game, if you look at the original version, it's it's pretty it's pretty close. I mean, they they know what they're doing. Uh, yeah. The uh, uh, and this game has a striking look to it, if I if I if I may say. It's a different sort of game than what I've played. I mean, really, this is an this is another game where you could tell the guy that made it he was thinking outside the box, basically, mm -hmm. because you've what you've got here are a series of mini games 
uh, boat. And the games, not only, you know, a lot of games have many games, okay? Uh, we play them all the time. But like like a jungle like a jungle hunt for example. But this one not only does it have different mini games, but it, they're radically different. Not only right. does, does the, what you're doing change, but the the scene which way you're going changes and the controls change. And they don't mm -hmm. change a little; they change a lot. You know, uh, I will say that I have played this on the C64. I'm going to make a confession here, Boat. I, when I played this on the C64, I thought that the first level was the only level because I'd never have gone past it. <laughs> So I can say uh, with much pride that I was able to get past the first level after <laughs> it worked. By the way, not easy. I no. guess we, well, we should probably let's just get into like the way the setup here, boat. So this game has a few advantages over the original C sixty four version, uh, just because of course you've got uh, uh, you got you know it's nice, everything's nice and neat and trim. They did a good job porting over, but the main advantage is. Unlike the first game, this one has two players simultaneous play. How crazy is that? It <laughs> boy, I was surprised. I was real surprised. But I'm honest with you, uh, you can play as a guy or a girl. And uh, w one of the things that's funny about it, I mean, they both have their you know, you both got your own controller. You're both completely independent of one another, at least as far as I can tell. Uh, but when one of them dies, a little heart appears over the other one and it breaks. So I guess that's mm. their lover has been killed. That's the way yeah. it goes, Boat, if you can't do yeah, the listen, Aztec Challenge. It was a hard knock life in Aztec society. Yeah. So let's talk about the gameplay proper. So the first level of this game is is basically called the Gauntlet. And it's your guy running through the desert. Or I guess this you know, is the... How would you? Where was? Where do you figure this took place? The deserts of Mexico, boat, or? Yeah, this was more like what I remember when we talked about when we were at Boat Fest and we were talking about Gauntlet. Do you remember that episode, Aaron? Yeah, I do. Yeah, we. Yeah, I remember it, boat. <laughs> Keep bringing it up. And I talked. I talked about how I used to think running the gauntlet was where people would line up and you'd run down the middle and they'd hit you with gloves. Yeah. This is sort of like that, except they're throwing deadly spears. My God, me. thank God we didn't cover this at Boat Fest or I'd be dead. He just <laughs> stuck a jab with through my skull. So in this one, <laughs> your character's running through two columns of Aztec warriors who are throwing spears intermittently at you. They throw them low and high and they throw them from both sides of you. Uh, your goal is to reach the Aztec pyramid out off in the distance, and it does get the pyramid rises out of the desert as you get closer to it. On this level, up is uh, jump and down is duck. Those are the only controls, and all you have to do is duck and jump the spear. It sounds easy, right? It's not. Hmm. I, I found this level difficult. Boat, how did you think about it? Well, the, the issue comes. This is one of these games where you can. Get on a hot streak and feel like you're doing well and then just immediately die. This is a it's your classic one and done type game. And this is a this is a, a kind of a thing that it kind of reminded me of that game that we were playing at uh, at Boat Fest on the Coco, that Timberman game. Yeah, where you're essentially only moving the joystick in two directions. But if you uh, if you let your concentration lapse even a little bit and you're you're screwed because these era or the spears they come in they're either high or low but sometimes it's hard to gauge whether they're high or low until it's too late and the the, the window of time that you have to make your decision whether you want to jump or duck is very small also so. the fact that they'll start you'll two seconds in you could jump or duck on a spear they don't give you a chance to start the, the level so secondly you have to tr go up the pyramid you have to climb the step pyramid but there's some jerk at the top chucking huge slabs of 
of rock at you. <laughs> and so you've got to basically crawl up the side of this thing. I found this level to be a lot easier than the first level. And I was able to yeah. do this on my first try. I was yeah. pretty happy nah, with this. Myself. This was the easiest level in the game. On this level, uh, you move the joystick left to move left and right to move right. Uh, I thought the uh, I thought this was a good level. I think it's fun. Uh, and I so think if you're if you're listening to the audio version, picture crazy climber. Yeah, uh, it's that that sort of viewpoint. Except there's except no, the, yeah, the, no the, windows. The mechanic the mechanics are a lot different, but that's the same sort of viewpoint you're looking at. I love that game, by the way. We should yeah, we should play that sometimes. It's a fun <laughs> game. No one ever talks about crazy climber. But anyway, once you get to the top of this one, uh, it, the next one is you, you're actually in the temple, and you've got mm. to go through. Uh, various traps this is a mixed bag i got i got through this level too but not on my first try i can tell you that because at first you're running through uh you're running through the temple and spears come down to crud but then you get to a point where pits are opening and uh uh like like saw blades are coming up to the yeah, floor saw blades come up from the floor yeah. yeah and so you've got to leap you've got to leap this stuff and it's not easy i found this difficult i will say funny story i was playing two players on this but no one was playing the chick and you'd be amazed how far she could get without anyone controlling her she got all the mm. way to the saw blades on this without moving at all so i don't know well what it's it's interesting because if you watch somebody like a let's play of this if you run forward like you don't have to stop like the game is programmed in such a way that you can just run forward as long as you don't hesitate at all but I guess nobody nobody thought of that. Of course, you do have to jump when you get to the saw blades, and that's that's tricky. Uh, this one, I I really thought like this one was also easier, um, especially was... because like the the levels where the pits open up. If you just hold backwards and stop yourself, the pits will open up, and then you can go by. You know, it's not like the pits are triggered by your forward movement. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And, and uh, Curtis and Chad asked if it was a fixed pattern, uh, but I don't I don't think it is. But I'm not 100 percent sure. Maybe it is. So uh, on that one, by the way, uh, pull back to stop running and push forward to jump. Another weird one. So then you've got level four. This is what's called the vermin level. Now, this level is challenging. And the funny thing is, you'll think you're doing great, and then you're dead. <clears throat> so in this level, your goal is to get through the level by jumping over the vermin. The vermin in this level consists of, uh, of cobras, scorpions, uh, some sort of lizard, and spiders. <laughs> I'm, I, what do you think on the lizard? You want to go with the iguana, or I don't know what it is. You think this? Uh, was, that yeah, I'd say that's an iguana. You think this Monitor wasn't lizard. that tough? But what they do here, it's actually. I mean, I got to give the dev was due. I thought Nor, uh, Nor, you know, Norm did a good job here. Is that when this stuff, this stuff comes down at the most, like the vermin that just stand there. Sometimes it falls from the ceiling, <laughs> and you really have to be on your toes. To know you which type of jump you need to use. Who who's up there dropping the vermin? How just, does that work? I assume it was like that Indiana Jones with the snakes, but they just come out of the wall, right. you know? Yeah. This level up makes you go high jump and low is a normal jump. Again, yeah. the controls that's the one of the things about this game, you get ready to get versatile because the controls change a lot. But I every found, level they change. I found this level, I got past it one time. Now, thank God this game has a gimmick in it that if you hit the space bar, you could skip to the next level twice. And so that's how I was able to see a couple of these levels that I could never get to. But this one, I had a lot of trouble. How did you fare on this one? I never got to this level. Oh, you didn't get this bar? Uh, no. I thought you just said the last level you found easy. Well, I found it easy, but I still couldn't beat it. <laughs> you knucklehead. 
So the next one is the Hop Aztec, as it's called, okay? Now, this is the level <clears throat> that I bought the farm. Uh, you've got to go across these uh, these little planks. I watched this playthrough, and this guy just goes right across. It ain't the way it is for me. I kept, they kept break. You had to be careful. You had to find the well, right Well, I was going to say, how does this work? Because I never actually played this level. So well, what, I only what, got what to, goes on I only here? got here one time, and I jumped on one of these, and it broke, and I, fell, and I died. And I wonder if it's a thing where you just have to know the right way to go. It's a trial and error type. I don't know. Thing. I don't know. The le by the way, on that one, you just the directions of the joystick are the way you go. Level six is the piranha level, uh, which I didn't get to try this one. You get to swim uh, in this uh, water that's infested with piranhas, and they look like uh, they look like little, almost like diamond, yellow diamonds. And you're swimming through. This is a funny level because you, it looks like you're just endlessly swimming through the same screen, uh, but you're dodging these things, and you can actually hit the button to die, go to water briefly. I didn't get that far, so I can't comment on that one. I'm afraid. <clears throat> the final level is called the bridge. The bridge also didn't get to. The bridge is like you're. It, picture like a mountain, a crevasse, and then across the crevasse. It's one of those bridge rope bridges, except this rope bridge it defies all the laws of physics and gravity because it's about a mile long and it's completely in tatters. I mean, <laughs> you have to. This is another level where you have to jump uh, low. Except this one, they add something to it. On the other levels, you would jump low or jump high. This one, you can jump low, medium, or high. Middle jump is pulling backwards in this case to make that jump. Uh, and this is just another level where you you simply have to watch what's coming and then make the appropriate leap. This one doesn't look as tough as some of the other ones, but having not played it, I don't know if it's if it's that tough or not. Uh, Bo, any, any thoughts on this one? Well, it's always hard to tell. It's always hard to gauge the difficulty on a lot of these videos because the people that are playing them are experts and they breeze through it like it's nothing. They also so. cheat. So right. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, now... This is where the C64 version is over, okay? But one of the things that these guys always do, well, not always, but often do, is add a level, a level to their game. And so you've got the button, or you've got the level where you get home. Uh, the text says, back in the city of Middleburg, close to Amsterdam, survived the wild street life. So apparently <laughs> the, the Aztec Challenge guy uh, is... It's from Amsterdam yeah. and of modern yeah. times. And so on this last level, have you seen this boat where he's, uh, yeah. he's yeah. running down the street and he is, uh, he's having stuff thrown at him. There's a beatbox on a skateboard that comes after him over and over. But a lot of times it's like throwing uh, liquor bottles and, and literal entire rows of plants. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> that's a tough town in, in yeah. Amsterdam. Uh, when, when you got this guy, that liquor bottles that are bigger than you are. I mean, they drink a lot there too, apparently. But this was a cute little bonus level that they put on there. I think that's cute to throw it in there. Uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I thought that was clever. Um, so that's the game, Boat. What did you think? Well, I like this game. I thought it was it was a, it's a you know this game is definitely a port of an eight bit game. Uh, it's very simple, um, but it's simple but effective, and it made me want to play it over and over again. There are a couple things that this game does really well. The first is that, unlike the C64 game, it gives you the instructions for controlling the game on the on the screen in between each level. 
which is very yeah. helpful. I mean, I'm sure that Aztec Challenge for the C64 came with a manual, uh, and you'd look it up there. But it's just, I like having the instructions right there, especially in a game like this where the controls literally change every game. Um, I like the fact that you can skip ahead up to two times. Yeah. That's great. That's great because when I started getting frustrated on the first level, I was like, well, I'll just play the second level for a while. Yeah. And I was a, it kept the frustration at bay. Um the uh, the challenges in this game, they're all varied. Every level is completely different than the level that came before it, which is a standout thing. There's tons of quote-unquote real 16-bit games that don't do that. Um, and finally, um, you know, I just think that the whole idea of exploring the Aztec temple, going through all the different rooms, you know, scaling the exterior, it's, just, it's a great theme and it's executed well in the game. I agree. Um, if I was going to make any change to this game, uh, I would change how your progress is measured within the level itself. Uh, the way this game works is you essentially survive for between a minute and a minute and a half, and then the scene just switches without warning. Um, what I would have liked to have seen is some sort of radar or some sort of graphic on the side of the screen or the bottom of the screen that told you how close you were to the end of the level. Because when you're playing these levels, it's just like they, they even though it's only a minute long, sometimes they feel like it just goes on forever. Um, so I would have liked to have seen some way that you could track your progress through a level and you could be like, oh man, I almost made it. You know, let me try it one more time. Versus without that, you really don't know if you're close or not to the end of the level. What did you think of uh, Paul's music in this boat? Yeah, it was good. It's yeah. good. I liked it. He's got a unique sound. The Forbidden Forest mm -hmm. had that same kind of. It's an unusual. You can tell it's a guy who is just uh, knows a little bit something about music. Yeah. Uh, listen, I'm going to echo uh, your uh, like for this. I, I really, I, of course, I liked it before, but I really like this. I would love a way to just pick a level and practice it, which would be nice. Uh, I'll tell you something else. Uh, adding the second player, really, I think that ups the fun factor. You know, I think that's really uh, cool. And what yeah. would be, listen, I'm going to I'm gonna think outside the box here, right? If they ever remake this, right, with the second player, here's what I would do. You could make this game with, like, four players, okay? And then you could, then what you can do is you could literally have, like, Olympic events in this. You, you, like, uh, instead of having, uh, you could have the playthrough like you normally do, but, like, on the first level, you've got all those players running, and like instead, you're just it's whoever lasts the longest, like an endurance race, and stuff just keeps getting more and quicker, quicker, quicker. Yeah, and yeah, you can do that. You can do idea. that on every level. You know, mm -hmm. make the gaps mm -hmm. quicker, more vermin, blah blah blah. And if so, if this game ever got remade, you could almost make this like a games, you know, Aztec games type thing, right. and, and you could also right. still keep the you know the heart of the game because at its heart, it's just, it's a good game. But I think it'd be neat to have like a, just make an endurance game out of it, including uh, maybe he would put something in like you know how you pick different countries, maybe represent different tribes or something like that at the beginning when you pick a flag. Do the whole do it up nice. Get on that yeah. happy. Yeah, uh, so, I'm with you. So uh, I should mention, but before we uh, finish up with this one, that the uh, fellow that coded this name uh, is Ard Jose. That's J double O double S E. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right uh, correctly. Not only did he do this game, he also did Baggett Man, Donkey Kong, Ferris Curse, Real Popeye, and Zaxxon. We love all those that we've played. I'm not sure I've tried the Zaxxon on here, Boat. I don't remember if we played that one or not. And we I don't have not. There's, yeah, there's do you remember lots Pharaoh's of Curse? Do you, have we tried that one? Nope. I don't remember that or one. Or Frantic Freddy. I don't remember that. Uh, the music was done by Christian Blaha. 
uh, who, who did Bagot Man, Donkey Kong, Frantic Freddy, Ferris Curse, Real Popeye, and a game called Future Combat Part 2. Uh, mm. I did look this up to see what the score was, and there was a Lemon score. There was no review of this one. Uh, and the people in Lemon were fairly kind to it. They gave it a 6.72. I think That's this not is, fairly kind. Well, let's Lemon. put it this way. I think this is way better than Mortal uh that Mortal Pawn game we play, played last week, and they gave that a higher score. So I think they well, got that listen, backwards. The people at Lemon, they're, they're, all they care about is, like, the Shadow of the Beast is like 9.9. All no, they care not. about is the graphics. Bo, you, you have no reference for that. You just try to, don't stir the pot with Lemon. We like those guys. Saying, those guys are not, they're not the good. Those are our for. people. Listen, have no, they're you, not. Let me ask you a question. How many scores have you submitted for Lemon? Zero because then it's a you're part of the problem. Of you're part no. of the problem. You need to go over and submit some scores. Never. So anyway, that right? Th yes, you. Uh, that is uh, Aztec Challenge. Hey, as far as uh, uh, public domainia goes, that I thought that was solid gold money right there. I thought that was real fun. So now let's take a quick peek into uh, Colonial Conquest. Ooh. Yes, it's a Colonial Conquest wave, brother. I love that. <laughs> I love that boat. So this one, <laughs> this is a very different game than what Aztec yes, Challenge was. Very different. This was, uh, again, this is uh, Colonial Conquest 2. Uh, I, Colonial Con Conquest 1 was a game. We did not play it. We haven't played it. And I've read that this is a much better game. So what? there you go. Uh, this was released August 1st of 94. And was coded by a fellow named Christian uh, Momenthayer. Is that right? Oh, you've no. got the. Can you. Momenthaler. How do you know that? Because it's German. I, that's awesome. Momenthaler. I love it. I'm good because I'm afraid I, was, I would have butchered it. So my, my apologies, Christian. Uh, this is a game, one disc, uh, a maximum of two players uh, on this one. And it'll work on pretty much any of your Amigas. And is a. Uh, Coded a game coded in Amos boat Amos. Now we've seen a lot of games coded in the old Amos, which is the game oh, yeah. programming language. It, just, and, it, just, it destroys Blitz Basic. That no, it matter. doesn't. They're both good. And uh, Amos, yeah. this is a sort of a different type of game uh, that uh, um, that that we would normally play on. Not only on Amos, but on this type of show. We can, I don't know. Have we ever played a strategy game of this caliber on this show? I mean, on this on the public no, domain. We have tons of them on public on, domain. On public domain. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know. Yes, yes. Because Sorry. most of the time, if you're going to make a strategy game, you're going to put so much work into it that you would never release it as a public domain. Hey, this is a this is what we call labor love boat. Yeah, heck Lo yeah, it is. love boat. So, um, let's try to describe. You want to try to. Can you nail this down? I didn't read. Yeah, I'll tell you exactly what it is. I didn't read it's a, a backstory. Forex game. I, no, I mean I'm talking like the 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 story behind the game. Uh, it, oh. You're a ragtag bunch that is that you are on a planet. You're trying to build your forces to uh, get yourself enough jack to go forward in the universe and go out and try to explore, try to find life, and occasionally you may have to whoop a hidey. Uh, out there in the Black Void boat. Uh, now, get back. You were talking about the type of game it is. Get back into that, because you're better with that than I am. This is a, this is a 4X civilization type game set in space. What does 4X mean, boat? I don't... What's that mean? Explore, exploit, 
examine and extol. Re- <laughs> really? That's what oh. that means? I can't I can't think of what three of the four X's mean. So you lied Explore about the German. One of them. You lied about the German and you lied about that. But four X is a real term, right? It is a real term. And it does describe what this game is. I'd hate to see what the limit people gave you as a score. You're still lying all the time. So this is a game, again, you can play with one or two people. I just played by myself, by the way, Bo. I'm assuming you did the same thing. I did too, yeah. Um, and it, you know, I looked at this. I'll be honest with you. I loaded this up in the night, and I looked at it. And I'm like, holy crap. I'm screwed. And so, but what I often do is I look to my good friend, uh, I believe it was Pixels of Dawn in this case, who sent over a magazine article in this game. And the magazine article gave you a, a, a enough information to get going. Now, this game does have documentation uh, built right into the game. Uh, but uh, you know who needs that's for suckers. But so I read the I read the the uh, Cliff Notes version. <laughs> I read of the, the magazine article. Yeah. Well, listen, that magazine article got me into space. So I mean, that's pretty yeah. good. So, uh oh. And once you have built your forces up on the planet, uh, then you can amass enough minerals, ma- amass enough energy, amass enough technology. Uh, to the point where you could actually build more advanced stuff. It's got a very nice sieve vibe to it. Uh, and then once you've built your technology up on your home planet, you can get to the point where you can start taking the first timid steps into outer space, which is fun. Uh, I was I was wondering how long it would take me to do it. And I will say the game gives you the ability to start on uh, you know di- difficulty level easy, hard, and it also gives you the ability to turn on and off certain things that can hose you. And so I started on easy and just left everything the way it was. And easy, I, I don't know how it is on other levels, but I mean, I never ever got attacked when I was doing stuff. And no one ever came to my planet. And I went through hundreds of turns. So I'm sure eventually they would get to me if I didn't get off the planet in time. Or uh, I, I it may have uh, caused me more damage to get to where I was. But I often would uh, just build huge stuff. And just hit the end turn button a bunch of time to get it built. Uh, but anyway, Boat, you you were mentioning that this was a 4X uh, game. Uh, I'm sure you had the same Civ vibe that I got from this one. Yeah, yeah. This is, I mean, this is, is some people have called it Civilization Light. By the way, a couple, couple bits of, chat, uh, of info from the chat. Christian Mumenthaler is Swiss. He's the group CEO of Swiss insurance firm Swiss Ray. He's got a PhD in molecular biology and biophysics. Holy smokes. He's a smart guy. Uh, and the four X's are explore, expand, exploit, and exterminate. There so you thank go. you to Pixels at Dawn and Mitsuyama for filling us in. Now, well, well done, Aaron, uh, I want to fill in a little bit of the gaps here in terms of what the magazine article didn't cover All in right. terms of the backstory. Oh, uh, yeah, please. Okay. So um, basically, uh, there's this there's this place called the Great Empire, okay? And so w- what's happened is your ancestors fled from the Great Empire uh, a long time ago, and they wanted to establish their own their own colony, and they they've started colonizing, okay? Now the problem is is that you want to get back into the empire because you need help. 
You need to, uh, you need to, uh, you need to feed your people. So what you're trying to do is you're exploring this galaxy and you're, you're, you're finding these new life forms and you're conquering planets in order to curry favor with the empire. So they will continue to fund your, your planet. That makes that is sense. The backstory of the game. That makes sense because whenever you find life, like you're rewarded and they give you a, give you an attaboy. So that right. would, that would, that fits in with the backstory. So you're you're a real fan of these sorts of games, uh, boat. What did you? How did you? How did this one uh, do it for you? You know, this game does several things really well. Um, I thought the UI in this game was fantastic. I had no problems clicking around. You know, sometimes you get the mouse-based interface just leaves you wanting to scream. This this game really does it right in terms of, you know, when you write, when you click on stuff, the stuff that you expect to happen happens. Uh, the production sequence in this game is very easy to understand. Again, the magazine article really helped with that. Um, and, you know, I, I also, Z9K9 provided us with the documentation in the was. Discord. Yeah. So uh, I I, uh, I I read through the manual long form on the screen, which is not the way you want to do it because it takes you forever. But uh, the the whenever you uh, whenever you produce stuff, you know you basically it gets it gets put down on your planet surface exactly like it does in Civ. Um, and uh, as you move through uh, time, you know you end your turn just like in Civilization. Bad things can happen. Disasters can befall you. Uh, eventually, depending on your difficulty level, this can come sooner or later. Uh, bad ships will come and attack, and you have to build up your defenses. Um, I found all of these things very, very easy concepts to grasp because I have familiarization with the uh, with the Civilization series. Um, if I didn't have that kind of anchor, I'm not sure if I would have been able to grok what was going on uh, you know, as quickly as I did. Um, you can set up, there's some quality of life things in this game. You can set it up to produce, uh, a certain unit or a certain structure automatically. So once you've colonized several planets and you want to make this planet, your military planet, you can just have it churn out ships or barracks or whatever you want. Uh, and it'll just do that until the end of time. Um, I thought it was cool the way that you explore new planets, uh, I like the way that there's no fog of war like you have in a Civ game. You see the entire galaxy, but you don't see the name of the planet uh, until you arrive. And I think there's something like 30 different life forms that you can discover. And the life forms themselves are not your enemies. Uh, you just sort of conquer them. You know, you just you just you stomp all over them, and that's the way it is. Because you're a is that what you're doing? I thought you were yeah. just like you found them, and they were like you lived with them in harmony, but it's well, well, listen, you can you can you can make up your. That's what they said about you know uh, Peru too, but that's not what happened in real life. Well, I'm just um, so. The, um, but your real enemies are the other, you know, the, the the bad guys. They're they're after the same thing that you are, and combat is decided by uh, the same sort of um, mechanics that civilization is. Is that you don't have any direct control. It takes into account your technology level. It takes into account what kind of defensive buildings that you've built. And then combat does not play out in any sort of a graphical way at all. It basically shows you a stat block and says who won and who lost. Um, so that was one of the things about this game that I think could have been better. Um, I wish that combat, because, you know, in Civilization, it's not like you see like tons of awesome stuff, but you do see some animation whenever there's a conflict. And I think even at the time that this came out, I think at least Civ 2 would have been out. Um 
Another thing that I wish you that would happen is once you discover a planet, I wish the name would have stuck around the yes, whole time. So you know you've been uh, there. <laughs> you know you've been yeah. there. There's no way to know that. And that I didn't like that. I, I'm sure that that was a conscious choice that was made for some reason, but I didn't like that. Um, and then the last thing is that the thing that makes civilization interesting is that you are passing through the ages of time. <laughs> So you always start, well, you don't always, but most people, when they start playing civilization, they start at the dawn of recorded history, you know, and you've got the bronze age and the iron age, and then you move into like, you know, the middle ages and all this stuff. And, um, and that kind of keeps you going because you're like, boy, you know, my, my empire is growing, but time is also passing. So I'm seeing all of these things on my planet change. I'm seeing the technologically, physically change, and things are going on outside of the world that I'm being informed about. In this game, you don't really have that. This game, it plays more like Mule on the Atari 8-bits, where there's disasters that befall. You know, whenever you're short on supplies, it will let you know about that. But it doesn't really clue you in on any world events. And I would have liked to have seen just a little bit more world building in general. And just saying, you know, like, uh, here are some, some, some things that have happened. You know, like, you, this game is supposed to play out over, say, like 100 years or a thousand years every 25 years you get some random fact that really doesn't mean anything but it, it clues you in that like you're 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 playing in this living world in this living galaxy and that would have really increased the immersion factor for me and i wish that i would have seen that but all that said for a public domain game this was great. This could have very, very easily been a commercially released product and competed with any strategy game that was on the market at the time on the Amiga. Is it better than Civilization? No. But just like in every genre, you can have the best game and you can still have really, really good games that just kind of follow in its wake. And this could have been one of those really, really good games. Well, you know, I'm not going to disagree with you on most of that. There's a few other things I'd like to have seen added. I find it difficult to monitor uh, my uh, what was going on on my planet. I'd like, I mean, you could go over stuff, but I'd like to have like a more detailed, like summarization of what I had cooking. You know, yeah, uh, yeah it's kind yeah. of hard to understand what all that stuff. It's so small, and you're trying to understand what's going on. And I, I that gave me a little trouble. The name thing, I'm with you. It's a simple thing, uh, but it's you know it would help. Uh, you know, this game, it's certainly not as detailed as, like, a, a, a civilization. And you're right. Some little touches, even some little touches, like, in Civ, whenever you do something cool, it'll show you a cool picture of, like, a mm -hmm. pyramid being right. built or a, or a train right. or whatever. This, you, I mean, in this, you invent stuff. You're, as your technology improves, you come up with more stuff that you can that you can build. It would be neat to, when you build something like a battle station or a you know Battlestar Galactica ship or a, or a, a, a coal version. I'd like to see that thing on the screen. Bam! What's it look like? Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be a little a little gimmick, but I mean, again, if this is the kind of stuff that like if that if this was a game that was taken to the next level, you know, as to be released as a commercial product, you could have maybe stick another disc in there so you could have the extra art. And whatnot on there to make to flesh out the cooler aspects. It'd be cool. I mean, they show you a little picture of you know when you discover life or whatever. And it's nice, but 
but it would have been a lot cooler to like have a nice colorful thing to see. But those are but, they, don't, yeah. they don't affect I mean, the game in terms of play. I think that the yeah, I think that the, the those little pictures when you discover life, like that's fine. Just yeah. extend those little pictures out. Give me more of the little pictures. Yeah. Give yeah. me something, you know. Also, uh, the, Pixels want... of Dawn in in the chat does point out that only Civ One would have been out at this point. Civ two didn't come out till ninety six. So there I stand you, corrected about there that. There you go. And and then uh um I like the music in this, but it was it made me want to die after because it played the whole time. <laughs> it made me. They, we we need to talk about the music. Yeah. You know, talking about the, the civilization. Uh, you know, nothing signals to me the fall of the the great empire like the same nation that produced Benjamin Britten and the Beatles uh, gave birth to uh, Prodigy. You know, this is this is EDM is not the can the kind of music that you want to have in a strategy civilization type game like this. You want to have something that's calm. You want to have something that's reflective. You want to have something that makes you relax because you're in it. When you play one of these games, you're in it for the long haul. Yeah, you know, this is not going to be. This is not a five minute game. This is a five hour game, and so the 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 whole idea of putting this particular like you know techno track uh, behind what you're doing it boggles the mind. Because listen, I don't have a problem with a song like this in a shoot 'em up or in a game like Chaos Engine where you're wrecking suckers, but in a game like this where there really isn't any action. It just seemed so out of place, and it immediately drew me out of the game and made me hate the game. Well, I think it's an opening tune. It was cool, you know. But I, you know, I don't know if space music was invented yet by '94. But like something like that, an ambient sort of like uh, cool. Holes wrote the planets in like 1913. Well, uh, no, no you space music. I don't out mean there. that. I mean like if you turn like if you go to YouTube and type in space music, it's just it's just long boring music with synthesizers where they hold long notes but that's the kind of stuff you need for a game like this again Uh, you know they should have they should have gotten brian eno to do he'd already done several ambient albums by then he invented the genre he'd work on he'd work on a pd game for free right yeah with all that said (laughs) the music that they have with it it's like i like the tune it's just it just plays forever and uh you just turn that sucker off it sucks so take no it doesn't suck it's good with all that said I like, they give you a goodly amount of stuff to build. It's funny, I'm watching this playthrough here, and this guy's building like uh, 50 times faster than I was. He knows all the tricks that I don't know. Because it took me a long time to get myself to where I could get off my planet, go to another planet, you know, get guys, get the ship thing going, get exploring, fight guys. Winning a battle was no easy task either on the other planets. So, you know, you know, you have to be careful where you go with when you're exploring because you might just get stomped and they... And, when they stomp out one of your big ships, that's a that sucks. That's a lot of time and effort you spend in that thing. Yeah. But here's the way I judge a game like this, Boat. <clears throat> was I re- was I sickened and disgusted and scared of it when I started? Yes. When I went back to it, with little to no study, could I at least get a foothold? Yes. Could I enjoy it? Yes. Did I play it for hours? Yes. And so would I play something for hours? Like this, I think you got something. I agree yeah. with you. As a PD game, like this is easily, uh, this sort of reminds me, this is on the PC, there's a game called VGA Planets. I don't know if the game, but I mean, it's a similar sort of vein. It was a game that was a freeware or shareware game that was well beyond the, what those games usually were. And all my friends played it and loved it. And this game could be like that. The fact that it's got multiplayer, I think multiplayer just could be a lot of fun, I think, which I think is kind of neat. Uh, I wonder if this will play on Amiga Live. 
Uh, I don't know if it made it, it, stride. I, I believe that it does. I believe Pix mentioned that. Oh, there you go. So that's that's an added uh, bonus gimmick. Once again, another game may name us is really good. Uh, it's funny on Moby. I looked this game up, and they had a little trivia uh, uh, bit on there. It says this game consists of over eight thousand lines of Amos code, uh, and the title picture was rendered in, in, in Imagine 2.0, and all the graphics were drawn in Deluxe Paint 4. So there you go. And also it mentions that there's an unofficial planet editor that can be found on AmyNet. So there you go if you want to really customize this thing. But I mean, overall, what does this do? You get a little bit of Civ in there. You get a little bit of space combat action. So it's a little, it's it's like a little, like a very small smorgasbord of strategy that you could get into. And you can lose some time on this game. There's no doubt about it. I really dug it, but I'll, I'll I'll be honest with you. I thought it was pretty a pretty darn good game. Uh, by the way, this is listed as giftware. You don't see that too often. Uh, <laughs> giftware is the bit where you that you know if you like it, send the guy a gift, some wad, preferably would be what yeah. would be in order there. Uh, but uh, yeah, good stuff. Uh, did, you know, we should mention: Did we get any action on a Discord for uh, for Wait. either of these games? We got a lot of action about Aztec Challenge, and we got uh, a little bit of action with Colonial Conquest too. So let's start with our Aztec Challenge reviews. Uh, Pajaco writes, In this game, you play a fit, young, sprightly warrior with lightning reflexes. I am none of those things, and so this game, whilst fun, <laughs> had me filling the swear jar again. I made it to level three and died several times. Having reviewed a video playthrough, I can honestly say there isn't a snowflake's chance in heck of me making it through this game without save states. Some of the levels, like the second one, certainly feel like there's luck involved, uh, i.e. you dodge in a direction only to be squashed by a fast-falling uh, boulder you have no way of avoiding. The graphics and sound of the Amiga version haven't been updated much, but that doesn't matter. It still looks and sounds great. Whilst it's not a keeper for me because of the difficulty curve, it is a fun game and you should give it a go. Jazz Dog writes, Aztec Challenge has a certain charm, excuse me, only nostalgia can elicit. It takes me back to a time when it was acceptable to throw spears at your cousins, snap off a quick ritual to Zoltol, and then avoid falling rocks on your game system after dinner. A few stitches and dodging temple traps were all we needed. The old cynical me, while still partial to throwing spears at my cousins, appreciates the simple charm but no longer has the patience to endure it long. While Nahazatun may no longer shine on games like Aztec Challenge, they provide a bomb worthy of Ziggleton himself. I enjoyed my time here, but a new dawn always arrives. Six sunstones out of ten. Wow. And our final Aztec Challenge review comes from Pixels at Dawn. He says, a game I hadn't played before today. Well, it's not bad. It's just a series of minigames, and they're pretty much all dodge something minigames. By the time I reached the vermin level, I had pretty much had enough, or I, I had pretty much had enough of what pretty much amounts to C64 quick time events. That said, it's well implemented, although the Amiga version only really adds some moderately charged gra changed graphics and an absolutely bizarre bonus level. Ah. I had fun with what I played, but I can't see myself going back to it unless someone, uh, unless someone. Uh, chooses it for a high score challenge of some sort. Five out of ten. And finally, we have one review for Colonial Conquest 2 from Pixels of Dawn. He says, this was pretty much my first experience of turn-based strategy. 
planet-based development runs along the lines of a Civ light, but this game also has a space campaign map where you can expand your species from planet to planet, building ships, exploring, and fighting off enemies. It's not super deep. Some more involved combat would be the one place that it could really do with some improvement, but it does have that one more move feel that Civ does so well, if you can get past the slow start. Once you are a multiplanetary society roaming the galaxy, you really get a sense of how good this game is. Very impressive for a PD game, and an Amos one at that. I've also played it in hot seat multiplayer mode, which adds another dimension to the gameplay. A worthy game for any strategy fan. 8 out of 10. You know, before we... Uh, and by the way, just for just uh, for completion, this, uh, this got an 8 on Lemon, so very well. Well deserved. Yeah, now... I wanted to bring this up, and I want to bring it up at the end of this review or this look at whatever we do, because th- but these games have something in common. Uh, they're allegedly, and I don't know if we played it or I don't know what it is, but there's the uh, Colonial Conquest Two as an ECS and an AGA version. Do you have any idea what I used the disc that you sent me? Do you know what we played? Because if this is AGA, I didn't get the a lot of a lot of times I've noticed on Lemon they'll yeah. write that. And it won't be true. Yeah. Well, like for, you, for whatever reason, the are people you, that were doing you, it, I, Where did you get that idea? I've never seen that. Because the, a, a game that we played just like a couple weeks ago, it said the same thing and it was only OSDS ECS. I'm going to, I'll dig into that. Uh, now, here's something I know is true. Uh, someone made a CD32 version of at least the first level of Aztec Challenge because I've seen video of it and it's super updated. Uh, with, really? Oh yeah. Uh, with a, a with really nice graphics. I mean, uh, of its era. Let's just put it that way. Would you may or may not want to choose it. It's got new music. It's got new everything. It looks like a totally different game. But it's the same game. So I didn't play it because that's not what we were playing this week. But it did. I did come across it in my travels. So it might be one that you may want to look into uh, in the future. Uh, if you're into Aztec Challenge, and I may look into it. Hey, I love Aztec Challenge. Well, that might be something I can get into, Boat. That's all we got, though. I, I like I liked both these games. I was stunned. I like both of them, Boat. Yeah, me too. Me too. All right, Aaron, what's been going on on the old YouTube channels this week? All right, this we've week? got, man, We this is a bumper crop this week of, of action, Boat. Let's start, well, I'm going to start with myself, I guess, uh, this time around. Uh, so... Uh, I, uh, you know, we got this Amiga Mini Nothing. boat, uh, and we, and I want to thank Rushi for uh, picking this up for me. Uh, I, I had to, I paid him, gosh, it's months in advance, and he was nice enough to grab me one of these bad boys, and so I had this thing as early as a non-influencer could get one. You're I never going to let that go, are you? I'm never going to, and I'll tell you why. Because all these other suckers, they're done with the Mini. They got their hits, and they're gone. But there's a few of us around who are going to hold on to this thing like Grim Death because we love the Amiga. We've been waiting for this thing to come out, and I'm not just going to set mine on the shelf like a geek. I'm going to squeeze listen, every man, drop out of that thing. I noticed that when you were doing this video, you didn't just put the controller down and stare lovingly at the Amiga for 10 to 15 well, minutes. Well, I did, but I, but I didn't, I didn't want to film that because I don't want to oh, show okay. weakness. You know what I mean? Because anyone that would film themselves <laughs> looking doe-wide at a chunk of plastic's a geek. Anyway, with all that said, um, you know, a lot of people know that I've been uh, uh, talking to a fellow, actually the fellow who does a, a Mini Mega, the, uh, the desktop software environment for the A500 Mini. Uh, right now, uh, 1.1 is available, but I 
uh, slipped uh, slipped Amiga Jimmy a few bucks, and he let me into the beta zone. And so I've mm. been playing the beta version, version 2, for a couple months now. In fact, all the stuff we did uh, with the Amiga Mini on the on uh, Amigathon, that was all using this software. And you saw that thing ran like a champ. Uh, yeah, and so I yeah. thought uh, some people had asked me, hey, what's the scoop? And so uh, I put out a video this week called A500 Mini Hints, Tricks, and Gimmicks. Uh, and this is a video where I show such things as how to where to get uh, the A500 Mini software, like how to install it. How do you hook up an SSD? How do you change your joystick and your mouse configuration once you've got it going? Uh, what not to do? Uh, all the stuff that would uh, help someone who's trying to figure out what they're doing with the A500 Mini, uh, it would help them get a, a foothold and show them where to go to get help and such. Uh, and uh, I think it's a good, a good, pretty good video. I know uh, Amiga Jimmy put it over for me, so I'll, as long as he's happy with it, I'm happy. Uh, but if you're interested in that, check that out. Hey, if you've got one of these A500 Minis sitting on the shelf, like I said, these things are awesome. They're good. They're good little units. And uh, this is a piece of software that makes them quite uh, quite a bit more uh, usable. And uh, it's a lot of fun, and they, they run quite well. So anyway, if you're into the A500 Mini, or just want to see me rattle on, uh, then you can uh, check that out, Boaster. Um, here's a fun one, but I'm going to let you talk about this one. This is our retrospective look at Jungle Hunt, Boat. Yeah, so uh, 1200XL made its triumphant return after a couple of months. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this week, and we talked about Jungle Hunt. Which is a game that uh, I did not play growing up, and I didn't really learn about until I started getting into the classic arcade scene. Um, but man, what a game it is! Uh, is this? Is this? I would be honest with you. I would put this in sort of the B tier of your classic arcade games. You know, it's no Galaga, it's no Donkey Kong, but it's sort of in that next tier down. Would you agree with that? You know, we're a sick man, boat. I'll tell you why. A lot of people didn't like Aztec Challenge, for example, right? A lot of people don't like the Aqua games, right? Listen, those you, people are fools. Me and you are mini game loving goofballs. We right. we never a game where the mini games. <laughs> as long as there's mini games, we're in. I was thinking about this when we when you were reading the reviews of Aztec Challenge, and people were like, rah, rah, rah. "No, we love them." And this is just another example of the yep. of a game that took a cool theme, just like Aztec Challenge, and they put a bunch of mini games in there that couldn't probably stand on their own. Maybe they could. Maybe in the old days they could. And, and then they fitted them around a cool theme, and they and they released them. And man. The uh, the Atari 8-bit version, this is top shelf. I really enjoyed it. Tato America did it. And they, they're not going to go out there and hack up their own game. They released some solid gold money. It was a lot of fun to uh, get back into the, the uh, 1200XL uh, boat. And we've got another good one coming up when we do our next round of shows, which is Congo Bongo, which is another fun jungle adventure one. <clears throat> but yeah, I thought this was a great show. Your, uh, your, uh, your look into it was quite good. And as I mentioned during the show, this is a game that I, is near and dear to my heart because when I was a little kid, one of the first places I could ever walk to by myself when I was like 9 or 10 was the corner uh, convenience store near where my granny used to live. And they had the Tarzan version of this game, and it's the first place I ever saw it. And man, I played the crap out of it. When I wasn't playing it, I just stared at it because it was so cool looking. <laughs> I, that's what you did when you were a kid. You know, maybe some sucker will give you a quarter. I was that kid, you know. So yeah, mm -hmm. I had a lot of fun on this one, Boat, I'll have to say. So uh, let's move along. Well, here's another one. 
uh, you know, me and the Brant will get into some weird stuff now and again. And this this week, uh, the fans demanded we had a chat challenge, and it was submarine games, sub games. And uh, this time out, we played ourselves two different sub games that were off the beaten path. That's for sure. Uh, Brent picked uh, a, an old TRS-80 game, uh, and I mean the TRS-80 Model 1, called Sea Dragon. You ever played this boat? Because it was released on a lot of formats. Oh, yeah. I played the heck of it on oh, the Coco. Really? Oh, yes. There you go. Had you played it before the Coco? Did you see it on any? Like, the, oh, it, yeah. as far as I was concerned, it was a Coco exclusive. Yeah. And by the way, you can see I played. I actually played the Atari 8-bit version of this boat uh, on the show, and, it was, and I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. Mm -hmm. Uh, we also, I went in a completely oddball direction and picked the, the FMV Windows 3.1 title, Silent Steel. I, I kind of stumbled into something here, which I'll get into this in a minute. So, but we had a lot of fun uh, on this one. Uh, and uh, if you're into uh, sub games or FMV games or classic, uh, 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 you know, classic computer games, you might dig it or just like watching me have a good time because this is one of the most fun ones we've done for a while i really dug it so that's arg presents we film every sunday 10 a.m if you want to catch us live boat um last on the docket i think we did this we we did this what last at last week after the show that's right this was our uh uh insert this too what do we talk about on this boat i can't remember well i talked about the cthulhu game that i ran oh yeah you talked about your vacation antics yeah and then we rounded things out with judo jeans death a nice so tight package right there you know that was, hey listen that's i i can't believe this isn't blowing up the youtube charts hey listen that was you know remember when i did that uh that career retrospective of Mr. Wrestling 2. I love that. You know, I this is, so this was my career retrospective of Judo Gene LaBelle, an important figure in the world of uh, not only Judo, but in uh, mixed martial arts and to a certain extent in wrestling. Uh, and also, I really enjoyed your, uh, you know, your comments about the role-playing game. We talked about role-playing games in the real world at a table mm -hmm. with dice in your hand and a Mountain Dew and yeah. a piece of pizza the way That's it was right. meant to be done. And will soon be done again, hopefully, Boat. Uh, but yeah, I enjoy I enjoyed that. And we don't do those in certain S2s that often uh, anymore. Let's switch over to the stream team. We actually had a lot of action on the stream team this week. Uh, let's talk about last Friday night uh, on, uh, on the disaster stream. You know, I was I was playing that FMV game, and I was doing some research, and I found out that the same company had made another FMV game. Uh, it was called Flash Traffic. And in this one, you're trying to avoid a nuclear holocaust right there in L.A. Uh, mode. Mm. And it's exactly the same as uh, Silent Steel. But in this case, I got the chat together, and I let the chat make all the choices. And I'll tell you, wow. I, I had a lot of fun uh, doing that. And the chat, they lived and died on their own merits uh, right there. They had to pick, you know, and it was fun. It was Like I mentioned on uh, on ARG, you could see the different chatters picking the different items. And you could see personality likenesses getting together for certain picks. And they would you could see them consistently picking the same thing. So it's kind of, it's an interesting uh, thing to watch from afar. And then, of course, we played a little Silent Steel as well. Uh, I want to thank uh, Rob Flack O'Hara for turning me on to ExoDOS and the X Exo uh, Window 3.1 software because I used it to play both these. Those are both great packages, and if you're interested in old DOS games or interested in uh, playing stuff for Windows, 
311 or you know three these are excellent excellent packages we had a lot of fun on that but we might bring that back one of these days you were in there briefly weren't you yeah i was in there for about the first hour yeah. and i had a good time yeah. i didn't see the silent steel but i was in there for the the flashpoint or whatever it was very good now this this is one it's funny i just listened to uh rob's latest edition of sprite castle and this is the sprite castle plays that was released uh on boulder dash you know now a boulder dash gosh in the in, in 84 or so like this was like the mac daddy of games like i mean everyone loved this game this and load runner i heard mm -hmm. over endlessly and uh they were they were uh, cloned and whatnot over and over did, did you were you a big uh, boulder dash guy no, I hate both this game and Load Runner. They just—they've never appealed. To Why me. do you hate them? They—they're just like I, I think part of it is the fact that like they're just really, really early computer games that depend a lot on strategy. You've really got to think ahead in these games. Yeah. If you make one wrong move, you're screwed. Um, I just—I don't enjoy thinking in the way these games make you think. Yeah, I understand. I—I I will say I'm not the biggest fan of boulder dash but it is a it is a neat game and super popular this this yeah yeah rob goes popular. on some really interesting facts in both the uh, sprite castle plays and on his uh, uh on his show sprite cast i really urge you to watch both or listen to both uh listen to the podcast and then watch the video because they're got nice companion pieces as he goes through a bunch of boulder dashes there are zillions of these things by the way that so there's also that uh, but uh, you know, hey, listen, I don't have to tell you guys. Flack knows what he's doing. So if you're into uh, if you're into Boulder Dash, check out both Sprite Castle's plays on the Amiga Stream Team channel, and check out his Sprite Castle show. It's very good. Um, want to touch on our look at this? It's our good buddy, 48K Ram. I actually was in this stream too back when he did it. This is fun and adventures on the Apple II. But look at that Apple II. Did you ever have one quite like that? Well, you know, I had a, a, a you you set me up with a guy that was going to sell me two Apple II's and two of those Apple II monitors for like 150 bucks. Yeah, and I didn't take him up on it, and I sort of regret it because I think that the Apple II is a very good looking computer, or the Apple II C, I mean, uh, is a very good looking computer. It's very sleek, especially when you compare it to the Apple IIe, which is pretty chunky and bulky. Yeah. Um. And uh, so I always now I do I do a lot of gaming on the Apple II. No. Uh, to me, the Apple II is not the world's best retro computer for gaming. In fact, it's probably one of the worst. Uh, so, uh, Ooh, but I enjoy I enjoy watching 48K mess around with it. I have to say, I think the Apple. I was never a big Apple guy, as you know, but I think the Apple actually it, it bats way out of its league in terms of its game playing ability. I've been well, the, stunned the, the, at the, some the, of the, the stuff I've seen. The joystick or lack thereof, that, well, you know, yeah. only that 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 hurts it. Yeah, you're not wrong there. But still, listen, you know what doesn't hurt it when you got the man 48k RAM in there getting it on with the Apple II. Whoa. I love watching. I love watching his stuff. Uh, he, he's, and uh, like I said, he sometimes it's a mix of hardware and software. Sometimes it's straight up hardware, and he'll tell you what he's up to. He's got cameras showing you exactly what he's doing, and he explains what he's doing. And he's a very calm. He's like the Bob Ross of of presenta presenting computer stuff. Just a calm, cool guy. He never gets frust uh, frustrated or flustered. I enjoy his uh, stuff quite a bit. So uh, check him out. That's uh, uh, adventures uh, and fun with the Apple II um, uh, stream that was captured from 48K. 
A um, couple more items on the menu. I'm going to go to these quick. This is a part one and two for our good buddy Happy Coding is home cooking series. This is from this is from the end of July. Uh, he split this into two parts. I'd wager because the stream may be uh, crapped out there. But uh, this is he does what he does here, which he goes through and he's teaching you and instructing you on how coding on the ZX Spectrum works, tricks he knows, uh, how things are done, and how they can be improved. He's quite the wizard, isn't he, Bode? He is. He's the man. He can turn things around like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> that That's true. That's true. And there's part one and two of that series. Uh, check those out. And like I said, the good thing about having all these is if you want to get in there, and you may be like, I'm not going to set to a coding thing. Okay. But when you've got a quieter moment, if it's something that interests you, these are captured for all time. You can go back and catch up uh, and, you know, go through them. You don't have to watch them. Uh, you know, if you miss one, you're not boned. He jumps around, but you can go back and get a lot of good tips if you're a programmer. I mean, listen, Happy's not just some schmuck. This is a guy who's a published author, and he's putting out the gold. He's putting out some great stuff. I mean, currently doing it. So we've looked at a lot of his games. I don't think we've ever seen a dud amongst them. We've liked every one of them, haven't we, Boat? Yeah, man. And then lastly... Uh, this just came out today, Boat, to finish us off. For, uh, and this is the Amigathon in its entirety, Boat. This is, uh, which is stunning to me. I don't think we've ever done this before, where we had one long 12 hour, uh, a video. <laughs> yeah. Because we've always had crashes and the internet mm -hmm. going dead. But somehow, well, there were a few hiccups, but I mean, there were very few. So this is the perfect thing to set in the background when you're working on your computer or you're getting ready to kick back, hit the sack, you can just put this on all night long, 12 hours <laughs> of calm, fun-loving gameplay with your buddies from the Amigos, myself, uh, Boat, the Brent, John Marshall, I think Hat Chad's on here somewhere. Did he show up for this? I can't remember. Uh, and, but it was a good time, uh, kicked back, Playing Amiga games, we loved. It. We had a great time on this Amigathon, didn't we, Bode? It was. It was. If not the best, it's definitely in the top two most fun Amigathons of all time. Yeah, we had a lot of fun, and once again, we want to thank everyone who donated. Uh, in fact, you can still donate, I believe, Bode. Mm -hmm. If you want to go to bit.ly forward slash Amigathon twenty twenty two, you can kick in a few more bucks. Uh, to the Children's Miracle Network. Hey, we're we're good to go. Just because the Amigathon's over doesn't mean you have to stop giving. In fact, if you want to be real clever, what you do is you put the Amigathon on, and then at some point you just go there and donate, and you can sort of pretend you're donating live. That's what That's I do. Right. That's called role playing, uh, boat yeah, on is. your own. That's all we got, Boaster. All right. Well, as we move towards the end of the show, it's time to announce last week's Patreon Stallions winner. Last week's song was a Bell and Sebastian track called Get Me Away, I'm Dying. It was guessed by Mitsuyama and R-Typer. Congratulations to you both for winning the Patreon song challenge. Now listen, I got a question for you real quick. Okay, Bell and Sebastian. Now, I'm not ragging on them, and I'll tell you why. Like, I'm not, I'm sure they've done stuff I've heard, but I don't know, what are the, who are those guys? And what era were they in? I'm not. Bell and Sebastian hail from Scotland. Uh -huh. Their first album came out, I believe, in 1996. Oh, so newer so, stuff. Uh, okay, yeah, newer stuff. What, they what? were, and the, you could you could call them you could call them college music. Some people call them twee pop. Their music is very soft. Uh, it's very some might say precious, very uh -huh. introspective. 
Uh, they're one of my favorite groups of all time. And where did, I where, really like them. Where would you hear them in the states? Have, are they a big? Are these one of these bands that like everyone loves them, and I just don't know about them? Is that what this the is? The first time the, I I found out about them from the movie High Fidelity. Um, I think that uh, during one of the scenes when he was feeling sad or something, he he put on a Bell and Sebastian track, and Jack Black gave him a hard time for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think that was the first that was the first time that I heard of them. They have not done anything, as far as I'm aware, that has ever been commercially successful in the United States. And how many people got that one? Two. And how, were they either one of them from the United States? I don't think so i can't i don't i can't remember where our, our typer is from we know mitsuyama from england so. okay that uh, i feel better about it another yeah, obscure yeah. A, a deep cut but a deep cut indeed a deep cut indeed um we do have a new patreon song challenge for this week and i'm doing it acapella old school style so if you know the answer to this patreon song challenge you can send me an email at john at amigospodcast.com and i'll announce you as the winner on next week's episode, if you'd like to appear in the Patreon song, patreon.com slash Amigos Podcast. We'll get you there and also get you onto the Discord so you can chat with us and post reviews for us to read on the air of the games we talk about. So, here we go. Mash pie in the robot doctor 82. Pack Billy, Rob McDavid, Howard Price, Jazz Doll, Daniel James Miller, Bumface, Blue Hands, Chris Edwards, Petzl, Allum, Albert Kemp, we like what we like, Mr. Chip, Peter Price, Herman V. Wanderlichism, Mark Richardson, David Hearn, Ram, okay, Ram, okay, David Terrace, Wham, Wham, Carlos, Matthew Mobius, Fent, Magnus, Seth Yates, Alistair, Fiend, David Z, George Rosansky, the Amiga Show, Daniel Crabtree, Super Famicom, Crazy Loomis, William Star, Heavy System, Zing, Frag, Lord, Mark, Byland, Olaf Hope, Alien Breeder, David Velociraptor, Raptor, Calvert Boy, Daniel Williams, Luke Hudson, Bomb the Bass, Frodo in El Sol, Incisor Tech, Mage. Yoga, Mr. Cole, and Bernard, Lucas, Jared, Denton, Zorglub, Reflection, Simon Lynch, Captain Crispy, Kilobytes, and Caffeine, Gary, Heather, Freelance, Caleb Fox, David Pickford, Cameron Armstrong, Andy Jones, Lobster, Terminator, 10-Minute, Amiga, Retrocast, Bernard, Quinn, RMC, Tim Drew, Joseph Harrison, Kyle Edder, Rob O'Hara, Matthew Larimore, Andrew Craig, Jonzo, Mark Bitt, Roland Berger, Andrew Monks, Joe the Zombie, Liff, Kellan, Alan, Coastway, Level Lord, John Marshall, Matthew Perron, Creepy Dead Boy, Figgy CTZ, The Slow North, Stephon, Chris Morgan, Mortensen, Edvin, Helen, Christopher Hassel, Chris Foles, Laura Giroux, Graham Vemke, Adam Battersby, O'Brien's Retro and Vintage, Gary Hoka, Paul Harrington, Duncan Stiles, Ted from the Crypt, Josh Nanad, Bradley Jonas, Ruler, THE Egg, Nelson, Dan Bingston, Jordan Coles, Jason Warns, Pixels, Dawn, and Kjolbjorn Barman. Well, you really, there were so many things I hated about that. I mean, there's, <laughs> the middle was weak. Let's just put that start there. That that was, uh, sadly, I knew right away what you were saying. That made it much, much, much worse 
than if I hadn't known Boat. Horrible. You stink. We also want to thank our Twitch subscribers. Uh, if we want to watch us live, you can every Friday around 5 o'clock Eastern, although we're recording later on this week. Uh, we want to thank TNE Farius, RetroRewind.ca, Twilight Zoner, Mr. Rocket, Macintosh Librarian, Mashpie, Fl Blow Jellyfish, Explorer, Brother Bill, Da Crabs, MTG, Negsol, John Marshall 3, Great Algae, Spinny 108, Pints and Amiga, Mervine Bragg, Oil of Hope, Wild World of Retro, Steve Burt's Paco Take, Eeyore 4077, Uber Scuba Diver, Petzl, KZ9Zap, Amiga Live, Back to 8-Bit with Hermscape, The Card 2010, Mitsuyama, Memories of a Spectrum Gamer, Holy Guacamole, Buck Owens, Rayo Retro Dude, Retro Jerry, Blue Train, Thursobod, Beach Bum 7, and Texas Foosballer. You know, you, Aaron, remi you reminded me of something real quick before we move on. I know you hate when I do this, but our buddy Hermski released a new video this week. I don't know, did you check the new one out from him? I have not seen it. You know, I love the Hermster. I always try to put him over when I see a new video pop up. Actually, he's put out two, but the one I saw that I really liked, he did a, he did a video with Chucky Egg. And he's just released a Fruit Machine video. I like the old Fruit Machine. So if you haven't checked into Back to 8-Bit with Hermski, check his channel out. He does good stuff over there too, Boat. Absolutely. What are we playing next week, Aaron? Oh, man. Let's find out. Flashback! We're back. <laughs> Flashback. <laughs> Sorry. So, uh, flashback is a second look. We took a look at this way back in the 40s, 48, 48 49, something like believe, that. Yeah. yeah. So, way back, probably early 2016 or mid 2016 when we checked this out. So, I'll be interested to go back to it because I don't believe I've played it since that fateful day. You know, let's make it, let's make a pact. You want to make a pact with me? I'm always willing to make we a pact. You want to cut our hands and shake it and all that stuff? No, not that pacty. Oh, okay. We both stink at this game. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to try to suck less than I've ever sucked this week at this game, and I want you to try too. And we'll All right. see, and we'll see how. I'm not. It's not a challenge. It's not a high score challenge. But I'm going to try to actually get somewhere past where I normally get, which isn't that far. You know. But so, but yes, flashback. This a game I actually owned for once, boat. So this should be a lot of fun to go back and take a look at it. Sounds good, man. All right, guys. Thank you, as always, for watching. We want to thank our Twitch crowd. We want to thank our moderators, Pixels at Dawn, and uh, Super Tech Boy for hanging out in the chat with us. We will see you next week. Until then, adios. adios.